podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Stuka Seed Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. I'm delighted to say my guest this week is Ron Florax. You will know him as Mr Q Tracker. If you've seen his site, you will know it's a thing of wonder, a statistician's dream. Ron, uh, before we get on to the, the website, just tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, well, I'm from Holland originally, um, and via a few years in Ireland, I'm, I ended up in Sweden, which is uh, maybe not the greatest snooker nation in the world, but uh, there's, there's some snooker there at least. Uh, and uh, I work as a professional web developer, uh, have done since, well, since I started QTracker more or less, it, it started partially as a, a portfolio project because uh, the job I was in at the time was tech support and I just wanted out as quickly as possible. So uh, that's how the website came about and it's kind of uh, it's kind of changed my whole career and my whole life since then. So. Indeed. Well, so what was your introduction to snooker then? When did you first uh, come across it? It was actually completely by chance. Uh, it was 2001, the UK Championship. I just uh, I was at my grandmother's, I remember, and I was just zapping through the television channels and I, I somehow stuck to it. And uh, yeah, the, the bug caught on, I suppose. And then a few years later, I started I started playing a bit uh, more pool than snooker, actually. Um, collected match recordings for a while, so I've got a few hard drives lying around with terabytes of old matches, which uh, is, is a bit freaky. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the web development was always a thing on the side, and um, yeah, it just continued on really. And what? I mean, this is a difficult question. I always ask everyone this, and no one quite can answer it. But what was it about snooker that attracted you? I don't know. I've I've tried reflecting on it many times, but I think it's it's the fact that it's never the same, and it's it's so multifaceted. I mean, it, it can be fast and exciting, and it can be slow burning and and you know complicated and strategic. It, it it can be many things, and there's you know there's always so much to read into it. There's always a new angle or a new shot or a, a different layout. I mean, no frames ever the same, no tournaments ever the same. So kind of keeps on giving really but was there a particular player that you saw that you were attracted to because sometimes that's what hooks people in they might see Ronnie for example or years ago Jimmy White and think wow that's exciting yeah back then it was uh, the, the players I remember from when I started watching was really Hendry yeah. uh, Ronnie Higgins uh, Doherty Williams uh, th- those kinds of guys really yeah. some big hitters there yeah so okay so you know that it's one thing to be interested in snooker but all of a sudden you set up this website and it's not just like I mean starting a blog or starting a site where you write stuff there's an extraordinary amount of information on there all of which at some point you've had to input so tell us when did you get the idea for QTracker um Partially from things that already existed. I mean, Janie Watkins used to run Global Snooker, which was fantastic. And then Hermann Ordalen, who runs uh, snooker.org, that's, that was kind of the first dynamic snooker database, sort of. Uh, but he only had seven or eight seasons at the time, and I, th- I think he has about ten now. Um, so those were two examples, and Snooker Scene would publish a lot of results. Um, so there was a lot of information here and there, and they all had great things. But I thought everything should be collected in one place and everything should be dynamic and searchable. And I wanted a website where you could go in and literally click everything and get more detail and everything. So I kind of wanted to take the best of both worlds, really, and, and try and, and collect it. And the main reason I had the time for it was uh, this was just when I moved to Sweden. I ended up working in Copenhagen uh, and had a two-and-a-half-hour one-way commute. So I thought, right, that's five hours a day that I'm basically losing. Um, so I wanted to fill that with something useful, something that I myself wanted to use, and also something that I could you know, develop as a, as a web software piece, so to speak, and that I could then use to, to get a job in web development. So it was uh, a combination of that. Really. But, I mean, it's a bit, I guess it's a bit like writing a novel. You've actually got to start somewhere. So 
where did you actually start? Yeah, I started with the, the current tournament at that time, which was the 2011 China Open. That's the first one. And then I decided to work backwards uh, from that through all the professional tournaments, uh, largely based off, because uh, when you get to the 90s and the 80s, it gets very difficult to figure out what is professional and what isn't. Mm. So I went off the snooker scene calendar, largely. Um, a lot of the older data comes from snooker scene, because uh, they, they were great with publishing frame scores and such, and the level of detail is, is really good. And I kind of I kept plowing right through it, really, and developing the system at the same time. So I started right, adding the first tournament, so I need a tournament page, and I need a player's page. And then once I had a little bit of data in, I started with the first stats. All right, so now we've got everyone's prize money, let's do a total prize money. And just slowly build out the amount of pages on the site while continuing to fill it with data, because if you only spent... 10 months filling it with data, you get bored out of your mind. Yes. And I try to give myself sort of uh, targets. So, you know, <laughs> I want to get back to all the PTCs, and then the next highlight was I want to get back to Ronnie's Max in 97, right. and then the 85 final, and, and you know, all these sort of highlights in history. But to be clear, though, I mean, to be clear, you've had to input all this stuff yourself. Was there any a point where, you know, you might be a couple of months in and you think, what am I doing here? Well, actually, you probably don't remember this, but you emailed me, or, or okay. I emailed you early in the start saying, hey, I've, I've done this thing. When I, when I released the first version, I think I had like three or four seasons, I think. And uh, you did actually warn me saying yeah, something like, I don't envy you. This is going yeah, to be yeah. a huge amount of work. Yeah. Uh, know what you're getting yourself in for. But it kind of, I don't know, it, it just kept being fascinating. And it kept throwing up new angles and new problems. And uh, I, I just have a bit of a data-driven mind as well. I, I like structured data and databases and calculating things based off it. So it's, but, but I guess also, because you didn't discover snooker until 2001, you were kind of educating yourself about the history of the game. You were finding out you know, what had happened before then. Yeah, exactly. And also, that it's, it's always cool to, to get into contact with the sport in different ways. I mean, I've, I've played it, I've, I've collected match recordings, I've done a spot of commentary on the website, and, and written some articles. And all these things give you different looks at the game, and there's always different facets to discover. So it's... Um, yeah, exactly, educating yourself through all of those things, really. I mean, uh, there a lot of people listening to this will, will be on the site regularly, as I am, but just tell us a bit about the site, the features that people can find there. Um, it's, um, it's, it's kind of... I, I kind of try to provide everything that you can calculate based on the data I've got. Um, people often ask about pot success, but that stuff isn't generally published no. in a very structured way, so that's hard to get hold of. But um, I've got the entire history of the professional game, except for team events, but that's hopefully coming. Um, prize money, centuries, frame scores where I can get a hold of them, uh, each player's career totals, uh, matches won, prize money won, um, and then also the more detailed things like their century rates, how many centuries do they make per or how many frames do they play per century, so to speak. Um, the statistics page in the menu is actually, I think it's a bit underused because most people tend to look at the head-to-heads and yeah. the player pages, but there's there's a wealth of stuff there. There's at least, uh, I think there's at least 100 different statistics lists, really. Mm. And I've got a to-do list of about 150 more, so wow. there's, there's plenty <laughs> more coming. And what, but what have been the sort of challenges in tracking down the information? Because um, the, the sort of history of the game, they've been... Obviously, the big tournaments that people know, the ranking events, the TV events, but then there have been other smaller events, and in the pre-internet age, some of them sort of passed by little unnoticed. What's it been like trying to track down information for, for those? Well, the, the further back you get, actually, there's 
the, the data from the 40s and 50s is quite all right because there's quite a lot of newspapers yeah. there and it was yeah. quite well covered at the time but yeah. also the game was very small then yeah. the real problems were the late 70s up to the, the mid 90s yeah. sort of when the internet started coming in and there's massive blank spots there because there was even times when snooker scene wouldn't publish all the centuries from the qualifiers so I've had to try and dig those out based on the actual articles mm. and so you're relying on, on literally newspaper because because I mean you would think there'd be match sheets somewhere but maybe they just did some basement and stuff well the, the thing is the match sheets I actually looked into that and they're controlled by Sport Radar yeah. which run World Snooker's live scoring and they've archived them and they've actually scanned them all and, and, okay. and put them into some sort of database format um, but they actually provide that as a product to yeah. betting companies yeah. so I, I can't really get access to that data and then republish it yeah. uh, I've talked to them about it but you know they're happy to help out with small questions but I need large scale filling in the gaps yeah. um, Nowadays, the live scoring is great because all the frame scores and everything are on the live scoring, so I can use that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a bit of a hunt sometimes. And even you know, there was a bunch of invitationals in the eighties. Nobody really knows where they consider professional or not. Yeah. Should this count? Should this yeah, not well, this count? Yeah. Well, I was going to say. I mean, this is the thing with the centuries, isn't it? Because there are some maximums that have been made that don't count because they weren't made on templated tables, and that's going to apply to century breaks as well. So. When you're dealing with sort of figures, it can be quite hard to to know exactly what the criteria is because there isn't really an official line as such. You no, just exactly. Kind of decide yourself, haven't you? Yeah, and it's kind of it, it looks easy if you look at how the game is structured as today, and all the announcements about rule changes and format changes are made very clearly. Everyone knows about it. But if you get back to the '80s, I don't know how those announcements were made back then, but there's definitely no record of them. No. So um, the centuries is a great example. Everyone always assumes that there's a big official centuries list. Uh, there actually isn't. The closest thing is the Eurosport list which is maintained by Wolf Kalp who does a fantastic job and I'm, I'm in touch with him regularly and he's, he's a great help and a great guy um, but nobody actually knows from the, the mid 90s and before which exact tournaments are included so for me you know trying to kind of build up that list from scratch it's partially guesswork I'm trying to base myself off authoritative sources such as Snooker Scene and late Chris Turner's website was very good um, but to a certain extent it's guesswork so, yeah, there's slight discrepancies in the centuries list, partially because there's no team events, but also partially because it's nearly impossible to get hold of the information. So I, I prefer to uh, say that, right, I found 99% of them rather than focusing on the 1% that I can't figure sure. out. You know, yeah, yeah. We do our best. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, though, in this, this to-do list you, you're talking about, because to me, to me, the site looks pretty comprehensive already, but you've obviously got big plans to, to make it even bigger. Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting tricky to find really impressive new things, to be honest. Um, from a web developer's perspective, like the, I've written the entire system from scratch. This isn't based on WordPress or something. This is actually, I started with a completely clean sheet, coded everything myself. Um, so from a web developer's perspective, there's a lot of things on the back end I want to improve to make it easier to develop and to make it more stable and, and more dynamic and such. But that's changes that you don't really see on the front end. They just make it easier and faster for me. Um, but as far as there's plenty of things that, that you can still calculate, I mean, a lot of things are like, uh, this comes up on telly a lot, first time since this year that we have yeah. four players from England in yeah. the semi-finals, things like that. Yeah. It's, it's all based on formulas that you can logically calculate, mm. so a lot of things like that. Mm. Uh, and then also I'm, I'm always looking for more frame scores for things that I don't yet have because you can calculate vast amounts from, from the frame scores. Yeah. Um, and just tweaks, you know, I want to improve certain things, I want to be able to, all the statistic lists, I want to be able to narrow them down not only based on the tournament status and the tournament categories or ranking the invitational, 
uh, but also based on the best of the country they were held, you know, mm. as, as, as specific as possible. Right. But uh, a lot of people, and listening to that, I think people want to know the answer to this as well. A lot of people ask you, you know, how much time does it take? It's, it's, to us, it sounds like all hours of the day are spent doing it, but that's not quite true, is it? No, it isn't. I, I actually do have a day job. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, I do work. You should say you have a wife as well. I have a wife as well. She's a fantastic support, and I definitely yeah. couldn't do it without yeah. her. She's, she's very generous with time and mm. compliments. Yeah. and gives me praise when I do things yeah. even though it means nothing to her <laughs> which I'm really lucky to have her but um, yeah no the, the simple truth of it is I work 40 hours a week and I don't really want to spend another 20 hours a week coding and playing around with it yeah. you, you just you just get tired so I think these days I spend about 5 to 10 hours a week on it um, and that's largely on improvements and expansions because actual data fetching I've tried to automate as much as possible to, to take away the mundane, time-consuming daily tasks of adding in new results and, and sorting them and such. So, um, yeah, about five to ten hours a week now. Uh, my commute isn't anywhere near as long as it used to be, so uh, I, I just spend my commuting time, really. Mm. And you must be happy with the feedback you've had from people in the sport because, um, I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't think it's great. We're, the journalists and commentators certainly on it a lot to check facts and find out facts. I mean, that must be nice to think that it's worth your effort yeah that, that's I've, I've been I've been very humbled by some of the comments I've got from people you know like yourself I've, I've been listening to you on telly for 15 years and like <laughs> sorry about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't find the mute button but, <laughs> no but I mean there's there's you know we're sitting in a media room with the crucible right now and there's you know there's so many people in here who's, who to me are famous names and all that and they as soon as they hear who I am it's like oh great job and all that and that's that's very very humbling I mean a lot of doors have opened for me just by by doing the site, so that's that's really what keeps me going. It's it, it clearly means something to people, and it's it's great to be able to give something back and to to get you know praise for what you do is always great. Mm. So, but do you feel like when you're watching snooker, you're you're almost watching it with a sort of st- statistician's hat on? You're thinking, oh, that's that's going to go in this column, or that's going to that's going to change this sort of page, or something like that. You can't just watch the game. Well, not not entirely. I'm I'm usually not that bad actually, because I also love the game for what it is. It's not only a stats thing, and, and like I say, I've played a bit and I commentate as well. So it's uh, I look at it at a lot of different angles. But uh, I think when you when you do backend programming and database stuff, it's a certain way of thinking. So I do look at data and, and immediately see it in a structured way. Like never you know forget a phone number or a certain date or something. For example, it's just ingrained in there somehow. Okay. But I love snooker for what it is. And you also have a, some sort of playing career. You played in a, f- in a few PTCs. I mean, you're on your own website, actually. Career, career in the loosest sense <laughs> of the word. It's, um, but, you I mean, do you, do you have time to play snooker? Not, not really very much anymore. And the, the problem is where I live in, in southern Sweden, there's not really a club or anything to go to. So uh, the, the closest club was always an hour's travel away, so I could only make it there twice a week, which isn't enough for me to keep up some sort of level. I was never a great player, but, uh, you know, I, I, if I'm playing well, I can make the odd 50 break here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually bought a table recently, but I've got to find somewhere to put it up. Okay. Because uh, my house isn't big enough. Yeah. Wow. So hopefully, when I find a, a place to put that, I can do like an hour a day or so. Mm. I love playing, and I really do miss it. But mm. something's got to give. And what what is what is the scene like in Sweden? What's the sort of snooker scene like there? It's it's very small, but I must say it's it's actually getting um, the, the Swedish players are <coughs> getting stronger because there was a Nordic Championship in Copenhagen a couple of months ago, and uh, a Swedish young player, Benjamin McCabe, won it. And, and quite quite strongly in the final actually I, I commentated on the final for their live streaming mm. and the Swedish players there's about six or seven young players that have been around for a few years and two or, two years ago I would have said nah it's, there's nothing special there there's no, they're not really worth much 
but these last two years they've made massive jumps and they, they are really getting better but the snooker scene in Sweden is tiny there's only one proper club in Stockholm that's where all the tournaments are and in the south of Sweden where I live there's basically nothing so it's tiny but the viewership on Eurosport is, is huge as it is in all of Europe really yeah, yeah. and you've done some commentary for Eurosport yeah if, uh, I've been lucky enough to do a bit uh, on Dutch Eurosport mostly I did two tournaments there um, that was a pure coincidence, really. I mean, I, I met uh, Rudy Bowens, the lead commentator there in the, at the Rotterdam Open a few years ago, and I just thought I'd say hi because I'd, I'd emailed him a few times and I thought I'd be friendly. And we ended up having a wonderful conversation, and at the end he said, oh, I'll, I'll give you a ring if, uh, if there's uh, some commentary needed. And I thought, wow, I mean, do mortal people actually do? <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've been very, very lucky to do that. And it's, I hugely enjoyed it, and hopefully there'll be more in the future, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And what's it like going to sort of pro tournaments? Is, is it what you expected it to be? Because I think people are surprised sometimes when they come behind the scenes at how sort of relaxed it all is. Yeah, I was kind of... I, I can't really say I was surprised about that because I started working at a, a snooker club called the Deezer in Holland and we had the Dutch Open there. Uh, this was in 06. And at that time there was only six or seven tournaments on the main tour, of course. So uh, we had quite a few, even top 16 players there. We had Nigel Bond, Michael Holt, Joe Perry, Ian McCulloch, Dave Harold, yeah. uh, Judd even played there. And um, so you kind of get used to seeing them in real life, and I've, I've, I never really get starstruck or anything. It's like you know these, you're right? They're legends of the game, but they hang around the press room yeah. and they walk around, and they're. I've never met a snooker player who hasn't been friendly and hasn't been up for a chat. I mean, leave them alone if they've just left, <laughs> lost the match. But uh. yeah, yeah. do you have sort of favourite summers? Suppose everyone has favourites to watch, but do you have, do you have particular ones you like to watch? <coughs> I actually have. I don't really have clear favourites as such, but I have, I have a lot of players that I follow a little bit more than the others. Um, but I've, I always follow Luca Brussel pretty closely because yeah. I've, I've watched him play since he was about 11 at, when I worked uh, at the club in Holland. And I remember one of the club players coming up to me going, I've just lost 3-0 to a little kid who can't reach over the table. I thought, ooh, hello, something going on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, I mean, the, the Ronnies of this world are always, they're always a joy to watch. Mm. And what do you think about the sort of the current state of the game? Because obviously, there's been a lot of changes in the, in the time you've been doing the website. The, the, the game has changed. There's been a sort of expansion in the circuit. Do you enjoy the wall-to-wall -wall snooker? Definitely. I'm uh, actually there's there's been some uh, some arguments on Twitter between me and some of the more kind of traditional snooker followers because I'm a supporter of wall-to-wall -wall snooker and I do think there should be two three days between tournaments. Mm. But other than that, just pack it full. And I, I love the PTCs for that as well because you start at nine a.m. and it finishes at maybe twelve one o'clock in the in the evening and for me as a snooker fan and a snooker lover that's perfect but I also think this is a professional sport and it, it should be you know it shouldn't be 12 tournaments a year with weeks and weeks in yeah. between it, it should be a permanent a permanent thing so I love it yeah well I mean the, the fact is it's supply and demand isn't it it's basically economics if there's demand for it there'll be supply there'll be tournaments and there is a lot of demand and as you say around Europe as well with all the, the views on Eurosport and indeed China, we know that there's millions there and still popular in Britain. You know, people want to watch and they want to play, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's it's a shame that we're losing most of the PTCs next season because uh, for me as a as a player as well, it was great just to be able to enter them and be part of the buzz. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to you know win more than maybe a few frames here and there, but it's. It's that buzz of being part of it and playing on the proper tables in a proper arena, all dressed up and all that. It's it's something that we've very rarely had in, in Europe. And it's it's great that the game is, is opened up like that, but uh, it has to work economically as well, of course. But do all these new tournaments mean more work for you on the site? 
<laughs> Not really, because like I said, most of, most of it is, is automated when it comes to the daily maintenance, yeah. but um, the, the work never stops and the, the love for it never stops, so just because you know the results go in automatically doesn't mean that I'm sitting there doing nothing, I'm, I'm always trying to add new pages, and uh, right now in the last few months I've spent a lot of time on the back end improving it and making it easier to add stuff and, and preventing the possibility of mistakes by you know using the same code everywhere rather than copying it and having a slightly different everywhere. Mm. I've done a lot of that sort of things, and uh, after the Worlds I'll probably take a few weeks break, four to six weeks, and really leave it alone, also to get the energy up again, and uh, no, but it, it never stops. But does there come a point where, where you think, okay, I've got all these features, enough's enough, I'll keep you know adding to the pages, but... I don't want to sort of in a year's time be thinking there's another hundred things I've got to do or, or is that actually something you look forward to doing? I do look forward to doing it because I, I always want to improve and I always want new things in there um, it, do, it does get stressy sometimes especially at, at times like the World Championships when there's a lot of interest and you get a lot of questions and could you add this could you add that and I always think oh yeah that would be great to do but it also takes time and energy to do so I'm, I'm not always able to keep up with the, the demands as such and I, I put pretty high uh, pretty high expectations on myself and the, the to-do list is always growing but uh, I've been doing it for four and a half, five years now and it's it's never really got to a point where I've thought for a few weeks in a row, oh, this is just irritating I'll pack it in it's, uh, nah, I, I still love it So you've, ne- you've never once thought, oh, why did I do it? Why did I start this? Every now and again <laughs> when the centuries debate came up for the hundredth time I have thought, what's the point? But uh, no, 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 it's it's love for the game and it's, it's a great project to do um, also because I have the, the luxury of knowing the web development side of things, knowing the snooker side of things, so I can I kind of know what's interesting for a snooker fan, and I also have the ability to build it in a, in a technically satisfying way. So it's it just keeps giving, to be honest. Okay, and, it, and is your ambition to improve your own stats on the page? You know, you're gonna, <laughs> you've got this table now. Is that is that the sort of thing you're going to sort of rise up the, the the list gradually on Q Tracker? Well, I always <laughs> jokingly say that I use my own page to test the red graphics and the lost uh, graphics. <laughs> I actually once had a job interview for a web development job where someone said, "Oh yeah, this website it's it's great, and uh, I've seen you're on there yourself as well. You haven't won much, have you?" <laughs> so I never thought that would count against me in a job interview. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I'd, I'd love to play a bit more and uh, yeah, get back to a level that I'd be happy with. I've had some muscle trouble over the years as well, and uh, that's hopefully gotten better now. And um, yeah, it's just time and place now. Mm. Okay, Rob. Well, it's it's an incredible effort, and uh, it's very much appreciated by everyone in the game, including people who work in the game. But I'm sure fans as well who are listening to this. Uh, it's a very worthy addition to the, uh, the stable of snooker websites, and we thank you for your efforts and for your continued efforts. I'm sure in the years to come. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much, Dave. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.